This is Daniel Gallardo, and you're listening to the Tenkara Cast, a podcast about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. In the Tenkara Cast, we'll be sharing information on techniques, history, philosophy, and Tenkara stories from anglers all over the world. This podcast is brought to you by Tenkara Yosei, introducing Tenkara outside of Japan since 2009. It's only possible we create content such as this podcast and videos because of your support. So we thank you so very much for purchasing Tenkara Yosei rods, lines, and flies. I hope you enjoy learning more about the simple method of fly fishing. Hey, Tenkara anglers. Hope everyone is having a great fall fishing season. Uh, the fall is here, here in Boulder. We are seeing the leaves changing colors right now. They're bright yellow in some spots, uh, red in others. And I know throughout the country, we're seeing pictures of just beautiful fall fishing uh, where people are catching the most colorful fish and having a lot of really good times out there. Uh, the air is crisp and the water is cold. And I think this is one of those seasons that the Ankara anglers rejoice in. Uh, there's also fewer leaves for flies to get caught on a tree, on the trees behind you. Um, I'm really enjoying fall. I've uh, been fishing here on and off uh, as much as I can. And I was kind of thinking the other day about, uh, you know, techniques. Uh, I haven't really talked about techniques um, here in the podcast yet. I've talked, uh, I had one episode about skill, which was uh, where I talked about vision, uh, the ability to see things when you're fishing. Uh, but, you know, in terms of techniques, specifically presenting the fly, I haven't talked about that yet. And I thought I'd take a few minutes to talk about techniques today. As uh, some of you know, a lot of times we talk about how in Tenkara there's much less emphasis on the gear and much more emphasis on technique and presentation of the flies. Um, there's the, the whole concept of one fly, you know, like where I've joked in previous episodes where we never blame the fly because the fly that is in the water is the fly that's going to catch fish. And of course, there is also the idea of just really not worrying too much about what fly you're going to tie on. Um, you know, I should note, if you haven't heard about this concept, it's pretty intriguing. It's something that caught my eye when I started learning about Tenkara. And I learned that Tenkara anglers in Japan, they're not changing flies uh, when they're going out fishing. They're typically sticking with one fly and working on their presentation and techniques to entice fish. And... A combination of that with the kinds of presentations that Tenkara anglers are going to use to entice fish is what I want to talk to you about today. One uh, long time ago, I heard somebody using the term the dogma of the drag-free drift or the dogma of the dead drift. And what he was referring to, and I honestly don't remember exactly who used that term right now. I wish I did. Um, but he was talking about how in fly fishing, a lot of times we, you know, people are led to believe that the only way to fish is to have your fly landing upstream from the fish, and then the fly does a dead drift. It drifts down with the current as if it was a dead bug, and, you know, and then the objective, of course, being to have this beautiful, perfect, drag-free drift, um... You know, he referred to that as the dogma of the drag-free drift or the dead drift because we're led to believe that's the only way to present a fly. And in this context, you know, I was actually telling him about how, you know, or whoever he was, I was telling him or her about how, uh, oh, I remember who he was now. I'm glad I'm talking about this. This is a, I think it was a conversation about, that I was having with Ed Engel, and Ed Engel used that term, um... And I was talking about how in, you know, in Tenkara we have different presentations, like, for example, like skating the fly, which is not too unusual for anybody with a fly fishing background, but also dragging the fly, like uh, deliberately dragging the fly or stopping the fly on the surface of the water can entice fish to take it. And, you know, and then he used that term, the, the dogma, the, the, uh, the dead drift. And essentially, there's, that's not the only way to think about uh, presenting a fly. I like to say that uh, one of the biggest values of Tenkara is to show us that there's a different way of thinking about fly fishing. Uh, and that comes to several different aspects of fly fishing, including 
hey, you don't necessarily have to use a reel to catch fish. You know, it's uh, Tenkara shows us that there's this different way of thinking about it, and the reel is not something that you necessarily need. Uh, when it comes to, you know, casting, it's like, hey, you don't have to do a bunch of false casts to present your fly. You know, you can just do this kind of like nice up and down cast and present the fly deliberately and accurately where you want. And the one that I like talking about most uh, is what the Tenkara flies or Tenkara fly selection shows us about um, fly fishing that is a little different. When I first heard the concept of using one fly was when about a month after I started Tenkara USA and I met Dr. Hisao Shigaki, who became my main teacher, and he talked about how Tenkara anglers in Japan don't change flies. He has only used this one fly pattern for about 10 years, but they focus a lot on the presentation. And I like that concept, you know, it's, um, but I wasn't necessarily very sure what he meant by presentation. I think when he first talked about that, you know, the main thing that came to mind was uh, because I was mostly Western fly fishing until that point, uh, what came to mind was this lightweight, delicate landing of the fly on the water. You know, presentation in my mind was usually what I thought about presentation was the way the fly landed in the water. You know, is it splashing or is it landing like a bug would? Um, but when I started fishing with him, I realized that presentation was a lot of different things. Yes, it was how the fly landed, but also where he landed, from which direction it landed, and then how the fly was actually going to behave in the water. Until that time, you know, I, I was a uh, believer that the dead drift was pretty much the only way to present a fly, and I worked really hard to improve my presentation. Uh, but as I started fishing with him, I learned that there's different ways to present the fly. If the dead drift is not working, you know, maybe you kind of put some motion on the fly. Uh, if that's not working and you see certain things underwater, you kind of stop the fly in front of obstacles and that kind of thing. So over the years of learning with him and different teachers, I realized that we can probably put the presentations of Tenkara flies in six main categories. So we have the dead drift. And don't get me wrong, the dead drift is in Tenkara, at least in my own Tenkara fishing and most of the teachers that I fish with, the dead drift is also considered the main way to present a fly. You want to get the fly to drift with the current in a nat as natural a way as possible. So that's number one, the dead drift. But if that's not working, maybe we can try a few different things. Pulsating the fly. A lot of you might have heard of the concept of pulsating the fly uh, with the most typical tenkara flies which have this reverse hackle, the sakasa kebari. If you twitch the fly, let you move the rod up and down a little bit. And the every time you pull the rod tip up, the fly is gonna come up a little bit and the hackle is gonna open. You know, the reverse hackle that's facing the surface is gonna come back and open, um, you know, kind of like a flower petals opening. And then you let it relax, and the fly kind of goes down a little bit, and the hackle is going to move up towards the surface, kind of closing. So if you do that twitching, the fly is going to open and close really nicely. So that's the second presentation out of six that, uh, you know, I realized that we can impart on the fly. Now, the third one is the idea of pausing the fly. And pausing the fly, you know, it's uh, it can be a little tricky to, to, to visualize, but um, because, you know, like, are we trying to pause in a vertical plane or horizontal? But primarily, it's stopping the fly in specific spots on the water. And the way to do that is to have your rod tip upstream from the fly, and the line is going to be completely stretched, and you're going to stop the fly. Uh, that's the third presentation that I like, and you Pick select spots and you try to stop the fly there for two seconds or so. And and I particularly like that when there's like obstacles, um, like big submerged rocks, for example. So that's pausing the fly. The fourth presentation that I really like is a combination of the pause and the drift. And that's what we call the pause and drift technique. Probably one of my favorite presentations, and I'll talk a little bit more about each one of these 
presentations that we can use with Tenkara, a little bit more in depth. But the pausing and the fly and let it drift is really good because it's if you imagine a fish is kind of holding a spot, uh, holding a spot in the water, and all of a sudden it sees this bug coming down and stops, and then it drifts a little closer and stops. You know, that can be really enticing, and I've had a lot of fish taking the fly, either when it stops or on the drift, but a lot of times on the stops for sure. So that's presentation number four. The fifth presentation is what I call pulling. And pulling, it's going to typically be towards the shore, uh, of course, towards the angler usually, or upstream. We never really want to be pulling our fly downstream. And the pulling, and usually we're going to be pulling about a foot or so at a time, maybe two feet. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But the pulling is a little different from the pulsating technique. Um, whereas the pulsating technique, you're moving your rod more like up and down. Pulling, you're moving the rod more horizontally parallel to the water towards the shore or upstream from where it, where it started. So those are like the five kind of main ways to manipulate the fly in a way. In the sixth presentation, I mentioned there's six kind of main things that I like to talk about. The sixth is what I call plunging or sinking the fly. And that's a way to present the fly in a different water column. Um, whereas most of the techniques, a lot of times we might focus a little bit on the, you know, the top layers of the water. Sometimes we might see fish a little deeper and there's ways to sink the fly to get closer to the fish. The, you know, so sinking the fly just by using currents. The primary way, and I usually call it plunging, is because you're going to be casting upstream from little plunges uh, where the water's kind of going over a boulder and that current, when it goes over, it's going to help sink the fly for you. It's going to suck the fly under and carry it in deeper water columns. So those are going to be the six main techniques that I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, it's going to be the dead drift. It's going to be pulsating the fly, pausing, pausing and drifting, uh, pulling the fly, and then the plunge, which can, which can be used with any of the previous techniques that I mentioned. Um, and again, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk about this is because it is to show you a different way of thinking about fly fishing and presentations. As I mentioned, for me, presentation before Tenkara, it was all about how the fly landed in the water. But in this episode, I'm going to talk about how we present the fly when the fly is in the water already. And it's a different way of thinking about fly fishing. Fly fishing is not all about the dead drift. So let me talk about the six techniques a little bit more in depth, when I use them, and how I like to do uh, my techniques. So the dead drift. The dead drift is by far uh, the technique that I use the most. It's the most important technique in our arsenal of presentations. And there's a lot to be said about a dead drift and also how to improve the dead drift. So the dead drift, as I mentioned earlier, is the idea of getting the fly to drift along with the speed of the current. Uh, so if you were to cast, let's say you're casting directly upstream from you, um, directly upstream, you cast... And as the fly starts coming down towards you with the speed of the current, you're slowly lifting the tip of the rod and keeping up pace with the current. When the fly gets to about just below the tip of the rod, at whatever point, you're going to cast again. If you were to cast a quarter, uh, let's say a quarter upstream or more like across the stream, you're going to cast and you're going to be moving the rod from, let's say, if I'm casting on my left side, my left arm is upstream. I'm going to cast, and then I'm going to start moving my rod slowly towards my right uh, to keep, along, uh, keep up with the speed of the current. If I were to cast and fish downstream and, wanna get a, and I want to get a dead drift, I'm going to cast closer to me, and I'm going to start slowly lowering the tip of the rod and just, just to keep up the speed of the current. One of the beautiful things about Tenkara 
is that we have this ability to keep a lot of line off the water. So we don't have like a lot of drag happening on our line. Drag-free drifts are much easier uh, to accomplish with a tankata rod because we have this long rod and you're casting a very, very light line out. And you're kind of like having this more of a more of a vertical presentation. Uh, you don't have a lot of line laying across currents, so the dead drift is going to be easier to, to accomplish. We you know we don't have to deal with as much drag. We don't have to be mending and that kind of thing. Now the main tip that I like to give is on your forward cast. If you're coming from a fly fishing background, on your forward cast, just make sure to stop your rod tip kind of high. Um, you know. 10 or 2 o'clock approximately in the clock face, just to keep the line off the water and then just kind of keep up with it. Uh, if you lay your line on the water, then you're going to be forced to, you know, mand and that kind of thing, and we don't want to be talking too much about that. So one of the biggest advantages of Tenkata is this beautiful drag-free presentations that we can accomplish. One of the, and I'd say that the dead drift even for my own fishing, I would say it's about 80% of the fishing that I do. That's always the technique that I like to get started with. Uh, tends to be a lot of times the most productive technique. So I don't want to give the impression that, you know, in Tenkara we're always pulsating our fly and that kind of thing. Um, so that drift is a good place to start. And it can be used in a variety of different waters and conditions. That's just what you're going to be using most of the time. Uh, in the other presentations, I'll talk about when I like to use them. But with this one, the main thing that I want to talk about is how do we improve our presentation? Um, as I mentioned, accomplishing a drag-free drift with Tenkat is easy uh, because we don't have line touching the water. But there's a couple of things that you start noticing that you can improve upon. And one of the main things that I like showing people, if you're, cast, if you're trying to get a good uh, dead drift, and you're casting primarily across or a quarter upstream, always start with your arm closer to your body. And this is going to be particularly important if the, the water is kind of moving a little bit away from you, if like the current seam is bending and kind of pushing the fly away from you uh, as opposed to kind of pushing the fly towards you. Uh, but what you're going to do is you're going to cast a quarter upstream or across with your arm close to your body when you start the presentation. And now try this. As the fly starts moving downstream, start pushing your arm out and downstream with it. So you're starting with your arm close to your body, kind of tucked in there a little bit. As the fly starts moving down, you start pushing your arm out and downstream with it. And you're gonna notice something really cool. The fly is gonna stay with the seam that you're trying to fish, as opposed to kind of start moving towards you and that's a very very subtle thing that I didn't really notice existed until I really started learning more about Tenkata fishing with different teachers but Dr. Shigaki showed me this and very often what happens is uh, you know on a dead drift maybe the, fl the fish is going to see this fly drifting with the current and he's been eating bugs there all day so he sees the fly coming towards him and of course as small as their brain is the fish is also going to be forecasting where the fly is going to be in a moment. And if your arm stays close to your body the whole time, or if you have your arm extended out the whole time, what's going to happen is the fly is going to start slowly moving towards you at the same time he goes downstream. And sometimes you, you'll miss strikes because the fish is going to jump to where it thought the fly was going to be. But at that point, the fly has moved a, a fraction of an inch closer to you. So you see the strikes, and a lot of times I've seen that happen with myself as well as with uh, people that have been teaching. You miss the strike, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I missed the strike, and you miss another one, and then you notice that actually the fish is the one that missed the fly more than you missed, missed the strike. Uh, it might have even, even touched your fly, but it didn't quite take it where it was intended. So you end up losing strikes that way. Whereas if you keep, if you start with your arm close to your body, which is gonna allow you to push it out and downstream, the fly is gonna stay in a more predictable pattern along with the current. And then the fish is gonna have a better chance of taking the fly. So that's kind of the main tip that I give for improving presentation of a fly. 
Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the second technique that we cover in Tenkara, the pulsating technique. So the pulsating technique is where you move your rod tip up and downstream, and the fly is going to be kind of opening and closing if you have this reverse hackle Tenkara fly style. Uh, but even with other flies, um, you know, it's going to work as well. But it's primarily going to be uh, the most efficient technique with a reverse hackle fly because the reverse hackle also allows the fly to be anchored in the water. If you were to have like a, you know, a nymph or a soft hackle wet fly with the, with the hackle facing the band of the hook and you try to pulsate the fly, there's no resistance. So typically the fly is going to kind of come out of the water skipping. So primarily effective with the reverse hackle fly, although it will work with the other flies. Now, in this technique, the main thing that I like to talk about, um, in, in it's, first of all, I'll talk about when I use it. So when the dead drift is not working and you know I want to try something different, that's probably the second technique that I like to try. And it's just one of those things you know, uh, where you're kind of trying to give this impression of live uh, of impression of life um, to trout and other fish. Fish are very predatorial. They want to eat something that is going to be food, and for them, food is typically moving. It's going to be bugs. And sometimes, you, you know, if you have a fly that is dead, sometimes the fish are not going to be quite as curious about it, I don't think. Whereas the dead drift works most of the time, and it's primarily the primary technique because fish are going to be feeding on a bunch of things. Um, I think that's the dead drift is best when the fish are just actively eating a bunch of stuff that is coming to them. But sometimes we kind of want to turn on their their predatorial instinct. Maybe they're not quite feeding as much. They're they're not. There's not as much food coming to them. And we want to present a fly to them that's going to entice them to come and check it out. You know, it's like, hey, there's a, there's a live piece of food. I'm going to go eat it. Uh, so that's what I th why I think it works well in certain situations. And, and I find that it works best when the fish are very active. Um, I do like to use the posting technique early on in the day when I'm kind of cycling through techniques. Um, to see what's happening. Are they very aggressive or are they just kind of feeding on stuff that's coming to them? So the posting technique, again, is going to be moving the fly up and down, kind of make imparting motion into the fly. And the main thing that I kind of like to emphasize with this technique in terms of improving it uh, and in terms of what I've seen, a lot of times when I introduce the concept of a posting fly to anglers, um, they immediately start doing this kind of erratic motion, kind of like shaking the fly. Whereas the, the most effective way that I found with the posting technique is you want to have a nice rhythm, an up and down kind of motion. And it's going to do a couple of things. First, it's going to make the fly a little bit, the fly pattern, um, moving pattern, a little bit more predictable to the fish. So if you're moving the rod up and down, it's like, you know, and a fish may be watching that you might be able to detect where it's going to be a little bit better. If you do it very erratically, you're kind of shaking the fly, the fly is going to be all over the place, and yes, you're going to get strikes, but you're also going to miss a lot of strikes. So moving the rod up and down. And the, the second benefit of having this nice rhythm, up and down rhythm with the, uh, the fly, is that every time you move the rod up, it's an instant hook set. So that's one of the things that I really like about it. You know, maybe a fish took the fly when it was kind of relaxing and sinking a little bit, but then you immediately pulled it up and you set the hook instantly without even thinking about it. So that's mostly what I wanted to kind of talk about in terms of the posing. But I should also note, um, you can vary any of these presentations too, but uh, the posing in particular, it can be very little poses, uh, very short, like two to three inch movements which is particularly going to be helpful in slower moving water and uh, maybe shallower water. But you can also make very big pulses, like maybe a foot almost at a time, which is particularly going to be helpful and useful when you're fishing faster moving waters, deeper waters, and when you're using uh, heavier flies. Um, so sometimes if I'm fishing a big river like the Madison River in Montana, I'll make these big pulses with a bigger fly, 
If I'm fishing Boulder Creek, I'll just do tiny little poses. The other techniques that I'm going to be talking about here uh, are going to be essentially dragging the fly or pausing the fly. So I call it the pause technique. And the idea here is to pause the fly in select spots where you think the fish are likely to be holding. And I tend to use the technique a lot when I see submerged, large submerged rocks underwater. Um, you know, anytime there's a submerged rock underwater, there's going to probably be fish holding in front of it. And you're trying to get this fish that is holding in front of rock that is not really too interested in moving, you know, a reason to kind of come up and eat something. So when I see submerged rocks, maybe I don't see the fish in front of them, but I love stopping the fly in front of the submerged rock. So maybe I'll stop the fly in front of one rock for like a second or two. Maybe I'll let the fly move with the current to the next rock and stop in front of that. Uh, or maybe I'll just cast again to a different rock or cast to the same rock. But the idea here is just to pause the fly for a second or two um, in front of obstacles where you think the fish are going to be holding. Um, there was a Mr. Yoshida one time, I think he was pulling my leg or maybe uh, just telling me a joke. But uh, he said that if you can stop your fly exactly in the same spot for about five seconds, or I think he said for five seconds exactly, <laughs> if you can stop your fly exactly in the same spot for five seconds, you're guaranteed to catch a fish. And I, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but then I kind of realized that you know, even when I tried to hold my fly in a spot, uh, one spot, it was impossible to make my fly really stop because the currents are kind of moving and making the fly go from side to side a little bit. Um, so I wonder if he was kind of pulling my leg or maybe it was like one of those philosophical things that, you know, it's like, it's never going to happen. But hey, if you ever make your fly stop exactly in the same space for five seconds, you're going to get a strike. I have gotten strikes by stopping the fly in one spot for several seconds, just letting the fly drag on the surface. Now with this technique to, uh, especially the pausing and the pausing and drifting, which I'm gonna talk here in a second, keep in mind there's two kind of main variations that you can use. Um, so you're always gonna have your rod tip upstream from the fly to do these. You know, so you're casting across, letting the fly drift a little bit down, and then keeping the rod still or moving the rod upstream even farther. But that's how you stop a fly. Now, if you have your rod tip high, like pointed up a little bit, um, then the fly is going to be riding right on the surface of the water. If you point, point your rod tip low, maybe point it into the water, and you're going to have a lot more of your tankata line in the water, then the fly is going to be riding below the surface. So those are the two main variations. Rod high is going to be riding the fly on the surface. Rod tip pointing down into the water. You're going to have the, ride, the, the fly riding below the surface. drawback with the pausing technique is that a lot of times you're going to actually get strikes but you're also going to miss fish and I think what's happening is you're you, you know without even trying you're kind of pulling the fly away from the fish uh, so the fish comes up tries to take your fly but you kind of pulled it out of its mouth so that's one of the drawbacks I think it's a great uh, scouting technique I love it during the summer when the fish are very active to see where the fish are kind of holding uh, and just to see how aggressive the fish really are. Uh, but I do find that I miss a lot of strikes uh, with that technique. A more effective presentation is combined, in my opinion, is combining the pause with a drift. So that's what I call the pause and drift technique. Again, I'm going to use this particularly where I see obstacles underwater, but pretty much anywhere else too, because there's going to be fish holding in different spots. Um, but all you're going to be doing is you have the rod tip upstream from the fly, you stop it for a second or so, and then you let it drift down about a foot or two. And then you stop, let it drift down. And remember what, what I when I talked about the dead drift and how to improve it, I talked about uh, pushing your arm out and downstream. 
that can be really useful for this technique as well. So stop, start with your arm close to your body and rod tip is gonna be upstream from the fly. You stop the fly, let it drift about a foot or two. Stop, let it drift. And as you do that, also start pushing arm out and downstream with it. You know, and you do that three, four times or until close to the end of your reach. Uh, typically when you're fishing kind of downstream or across and down, which is what we're doing with this techniques, um, we don't want to get to the very, very end of our, our reach because if a fish were to take uh, the fly at that point, it's probably going to break you off because there's no flex on the rod. So one tip is to focus on shorter sections of the stream. So you do your pause and drift until, you know, keeping the rod or you start with the rod tip kind of um, higher or uh, more angled up and you know, there's going to be a point if you were to imagine the fly, the, the rod is pointing kind of downstream. The fly is pretty much maxed out. It's, you know, reaching as far as you'll get. And then there's the fly. If a fish takes it at that point, there's no give on the rod, so it's going to break off. So stop a little bit sooner as you start going down, keeping a little bit of this angle between the rod and where the fish is going to be so that if a fish takes, you can make the rod flex for you. And then move on to the next section down. So working in sections, I think, is always a much more effective way to fish with tankata. Now the pausing drift, again, when there's submerged obstacles, I like to use it a lot, but also I've had a lot of success with that in um, spring creeks. And I'll post a video of what this technique looks like. And as a matter of fact, I'll post a video um, with all of the, the overview of all these techniques and then one where I catch a nice fish using the pause and drift on our website, tenkariose.com forward slash podcast uh, in the section where I talk about techniques. Um, so I'll have those two videos up there and you can kind of see what I mean a little bit more um, about them. Sometimes I think it helps to have this visual. Hopefully, you know, this is hard. It's a, a podcast is kind of a new medium for you. Hopefully I'm kind of painting a good picture in your mind so that if you're driving or working, you can kind of picture what I'm trying to uh, try to describe. Here in the studio, I am actually making motion with my arm to kind of see how it explain it. So I'm making this up as I go and I uh, hope you're bearing with me, but hopefully you're picturing the techniques uh, in your brain as I talk about them. So that was the pause and drift, and I'll have that video up on our website. Now, the next one is going to be pulling. And pulling, if you're coming from a fly fishing background, it's kind of like pulling a streamer towards you or upstream. You know, you're just kind of giving a fly some action that is counter to the currents, either cross current or against the current. Uh, We never want to pull really our fly downstream uh, because that's going to be kind of making the fly move faster than current and the fish is unless you have a very aggressive fish there's a good chance it's not going to be able to take your fly Uh, and our objective here is to make it first to entice fish but also to make it easier for the fish to take a fly now with the pulling technique um, you're going to be casting across or downstream from you and when you cast across you can move the rod, you're going to be moving the rod parallel to the water towards the shore where you are. And the main tip here is you're going to have to have your rod tip kind of low, close to the water, so you cast, and you're going to have a good, uh, at least a couple of feet of your main tankata line in the water. Uh, If you were to keep your rod tip very high, and you try to pull it towards you, very quickly the fly is going to skip out of the water and make it hard for any fish to take it. So you're going to keep the rod tip kind of low, rod parallel to the water, and pull it about a foot or two at a time towards the shore. And I don't, I, I can't say that there's a particular instance where I know to use that technique, but... Uh, Primarily, like when I'm, when, you know, like if I find that there's aggressive brown trout in a particular water, uh, if the fish are very active, I would say it's one of the techniques that I have least success with, uh, maybe because I don't use it a whole lot, um, but maybe it depends on a very particular um, behavior from the fish for the, for the technique to work well. 
but pulling across, having a couple of feet of the line in the water to anchor the, the, the fly and the line in there. Again, if you keep the rod tip high, it's going to skip out of the water. So you have to have the line to anchor everything in. And then, of course, you're going to pull it to a certain extent, and you're going to get to a certain point where you're going to have to recast. And typically, you know, it's just going to be when your rod is getting close to parallel with the shore, uh, just a little bit before it gets to that point, you're going to cast again. You don't want to go too far behind you, usually, because then you start getting caught on brush and trees behind you. So if you were to imagine casting across in your rod tip, it starts pointing directly in front of you, and then you can pull it uh, towards either shoulder. Uh, I tend to like pulling towards my shoulder, uh, my upstream shoulder, and about a foot or two at a time, depending a little bit on how fast the water is moving, how big the fly is, and that kind of thing. And that's something that you're going to develop a feel for. Uh, if the fly starts skipping out of the water, even if you have some line in the water, maybe just do a little bit of a slower or a shorter pull. If you have very large fly with a lot of hackle, you, you can get away with a bigger pull, a little bit more of a violent kind of pull, if you will. And then the same thing with upstream poles. Typically in that case, you're going to cast a little bit more downstream, a quarter down or even directly downstream. And then you just pull a foot or two upstream at a time. And just like in the... Um, uh, pausing and pausing and drifting, you can have the two variations. You can have the rod tip a little bit higher to keep the fly closer to the surface or rod tip lower uh, to fish a little deeper. But regardless, it's going to be lower than the pausing and drifting, the rod tip, because you want to keep some line in the water as you apply this technique. Now the last one is, you know, it's going to be the plunging or sinking technique, and it's not quite so much a manipulation technique like the the other techniques that I talked about. Um, it's more a way to present a fly in different water columns, and this is always a you know an interesting thing to notice because we I don't use weight, I don't use split shot, and I don't carry weights with me, and I don't carry heavy lines and that kind of thing. Uh, but I have learned over the years to use currents to sink my fly deep for me. And this is just a little introduction because there's probably a lot that I can talk about in terms of sinking the fly and what current currents to, uh, to, uh, to use. But if you don't have weight with you, if you forgot your box of split shot, you don't have any weighted flies and that kind of thing, it'll be really useful for you to know what kind of techniques uh, I'm using to sink my flies. And then the plunging and the sinking technique can be used with any of the other techniques that I mentioned, uh, you know, in the past few minutes here in the podcast. So once you sink your fly, you can have a dead drift. Once you sink your fly, you can kind of pulsate the fly as it goes downstream. Uh, once you get your fly kind of deeper, you can also make it stop in a couple of uh, spots or stop and drift. Or you can make it sink and then pull it upstream or across. So you can combine it with anything. But typically I do it primarily with a dead drift, uh, sometimes with pulsating. Those are the ones that I combine the most with sinking. But the basic idea here is to learn how to use currents to sink the fly for you. And there's three main ways that I sink my fly. If I'm fishing a mountain stream with little plunge pools or even like small little obstacles, like a smaller mountain stream in a meadow, sometimes you find little plunges. Um, and what you're going to be looking for are going to be plunges, channels where the water gets faster, or even whirlpools where the water just kind of makes this little tiny whirlpool that's going to suck your fly under. So you're trying to identify those three currents. And sometimes it can be subtle, sometimes it can be very obvious. But once you find the, you know, the plunge, so that's the, the, the one that I love teaching on because it's a little easier to identify. You're going to see where the water is going to be plunging 
over rocks and obstacles. You cast upstream from it, let the fly drift until it gets to the plunge. And if you were to look at a plunge, you're gonna see this kind of water going over the rock. And I've seen it in a few spaces where you can actually see the water. It's almost like um, the water sliding underneath all the bubbles that are happening in front of it. So you're looking for the white water. And a lot of times we only see the white water, but what's happening, the water that is closest to the rock is going down and going under all the bubbly turbulence that you see. So you're gonna cast upstream from that plunge, follow the fly until it gets to the plunge, and then relax the, the line a little bit, start lowering the fly down. Um, when you're doing it right, it's gonna look like it's kind of stuck in place for a second or a couple of seconds. And when you're hitting the best spots uh, that are gonna sink your fly deepest and fastest for you, uh, it's gonna really look like it's stuck. And you can lift your rod a little bit when you're first learning to kind of see if it is stuck. Uh, but and what's gonna start happening is the fly is gonna either start moving in a circle, which is an indicator that there's a really good current happening down there and it's taking your fly deeper and deeper for you or it's gonna start moving downstream. Uh, the best pools, you know, you get into the plunge, the fly's gonna look like it's stuck. Two seconds later, it's gonna start moving in a circle, and then it's gonna start moving downstream. Try to find those, try to see when you can identify those. Um, sometimes it's just gonna look like it's stuck for a second, and then it's gonna start immediately moving downstream. Um, and other times, you know, you'll sink it down a little bit, but not quite as deep. And, you know, it's going to go a few inches under and it's going to immediately move downstream. But essentially you are sinking your fly. Every current is going to be different. And the only thing here is experience. You have to really try to leave your weight and weighted flies behind a little bit and see what the currents are doing to your fly to start learning um, what's happening. Uh, as I mentioned early on, it's a different way of thinking about it. Uh, I'm not telling you necessarily you have to leave weights behind. I've got nothing against weighted flies, nothing against split shot, even though I don't like to use them. Um, but it is a different way of thinking about fly fishing. And if you leave your weights behind or weighted flies behind, you can start learning how to use currents to take your flies down for you. Um, so that's on the plunges. Those are going to be most obvious. The other things to look for are little channels where the water gets faster. So like maybe between two rocks, if, the, if there's no plunge necessarily forming over boulders and that kind of thing, maybe there's gonna be a place where the water gets funneled into a faster channel between two large boulders, for example. And that's gonna do a very similar thing. Uh, usually it doesn't take the fly quite as deep, um, but if you cast upstream from it and the fly gets into that channel, a lot of times it's going to sink underneath um, a little bit faster than you would. And the other, the third way to sink flies without using, uh, just by using the currents is to look for micro little whirlpools. Sometimes they're going to be forming in the same spot and you cast and try to get your fly there. And I've seen it where the fly just seems to drop like six inches or 10 inches uh, when it hits those little tiny currents. Now you might tell me, oh, Daniel, I don't fish in places that are that have all these features you're talking about. You know, I usually fish uh, spring creeks or, you know, slow moving water. There's no plunges. There's no visible currents that I can see. Uh, what do I do? And there's actually ways to sink your fly uh, in that kind of place when you don't have any weights on you. Uh, the But it primarily consists of uh, casting the fly as far upstream as you can and let the fly sink naturally, as you know, as it will. Uh, sometimes there's gonna be little tiny currents that can take your fly down for you, and even in waters that look fairly calm. Uh, the, the one limitation that I accept with this, uh, the approach of not using weights, is that I cannot sink my fly deep fast, but I can sink it fairly deep if I'm willing to take some time, and I can sink it fast, but not very deep. So that's kind of uh, what I'm working with. There's, it's a self-imposed limitation. Um, and I'm okay with it because I don't have to deal with little boxes of weights and that kind of thing. But in places with calmer water, 
Um, there's ways to sink your fly deep as well. And the primary technique that I like to use in a kind of water is to cast as far upstream as I can. Uh, you know, and, the, and of course, it's going to depend on whereabouts in the river I want to fish. Um, but let the fly go down naturally and keep following uh, the fly down and see how far it's going to sink. When it gets close to the end of your drift, what you're going to do is keeping a rod pointed down into the water, slowly pull your rod tip upstream and bring it to essentially the beginning of your drift as, as far up as you can bring, just being careful not to make the fly ride back up to the surface. So you're going to bring your fly upstream and then repeat the process. Let the fly kind of move deeper and deeper. And then you can repeat that a couple of times to get to the depth that you want to. Um, one thing that I kind of like to do, like when I'm usually doing this, is I bring the fly upstream slowly with the rod tip pointed down so that the fly doesn't ride up. And as the fly starts moving downstream again, I almost make this kind of little pulsing movement as it goes down. It's uh, It actually looks a little bit more like the pause and drift. And to me, I almost get I always get the impression that I'm pushing my fly deeper. I, I don't know exactly what's happening there, but I've noticed that it looks like I'm pushing my fly a little bit deeper when I do this kind of pulsing motion. Um, but you don't have to do it. It's just something that I do like to do. So that's how you sink the fly or start looking at sinking the fly deeper uh, without using any weights. Well, it's a longer episode, but I, uh, I know... Uh, some of you have been asking for more information on techniques uh, for tankata. You know, it's the simple method of fishing, but there's a lot of emphasis on the techniques. And hopefully this kind of gives you a nice overview of the techniques that I'm using when I'm fishing. Um, and I should have mentioned too, like, there's two things that I probably should have mentioned. Um, first, how I usually go through them. And second, the idea of not second-guessing techniques too much. So... Usually the way I fish, I would say the first 15, 20 minutes of my day when I get to a new spot for a new day of fishing, I tend to cycle through the techniques a little bit more. So I'll do several dead drifts and I'll fish, uh, I'll probably guess that I'll fish dead drifts for five to 10 minutes. And, and then I start cycling through the different techniques for another five to 10 minutes and see if there's anything in particular that's uh, causing the fish to bite. Sometimes I might play around a little bit longer and sometimes I'll immediately kind of find that something is working a little bit better than others. Um, if in the first 15 to 20 minutes I don't kind of get any clear ideas of what is most effective that day, I'll just focus mostly on the dead drifts and then once in a while I'll kind of play a little bit depending on what it looks like. Um, and also the other thing too is usually I fish upstream and typically when I get to a nice little run or nice pool, my first couple of presentations are going to be the dead drift. But if it's a really good looking pool and I didn't get a fish, I might move to the side of the pool or even to the upstream portion of the pool. And then I'll try the other techniques like pulsating the fly or pausing and drifting. Because it's like, in my opinion, if the pool looks really good and I should have caught a fish there, but I didn't get anything on my dead drift, maybe there's going to be a different technique for that particular fish or those particular fish that's going to entice them. So that's how I usually approach it. Dead drift, again, probably my, my main one, but sometimes you'll find that one technique seems to be what the fish are more keyed in on. Um, and the second thing that I probably should mention is Kind of like with flies, you know, we talk about not changing flies a whole lot because essentially if you're changing flies, what you're, what you're actually doing is second-guessing your fly choice a whole lot. And, you know, first of all, what is to say that the next fish was not going to be intrigued by that, that first technique? So when you're second-guessing your, your techniques a whole lot and you're changing over and over again, it doesn't kind of give you any chance to um, see if the fish are into something in particular but again, you know, it's, uh, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I don't want to give the impression that with Tenkara we're manipulating the fly the whole time, that that drift is probably the main technique. And that's what I like to tell people to focus on typically. 
so don't cycle through it too much because then you you might be missing some opportunities as well. Well, so hopefully that's a really good overview. <laughs> um, I tried to do as best as I could to give you an overview of the techniques that I use, you know, how I usually go through them in the beginning, which I just talked about. Uh, I typically don't second guess them uh, a whole lot. The dead drift is my main technique, but then I'll also try pulsating the fly, a little move motion up and down. I try to pause my fly in places where I think the fish might be holding a little bit more. I try to pause in drift, which is a really good technique because it's uh, the drift oftentimes, oftentimes gives a chance for the fish to, uh, to take the fly in its mouth uh, as opposed to the pause, which kind of pulls the fly away. Then I talk about pulling the fly towards the shore or upstream and then sinking the fly without using any weights, and, which you can combine with any of the other techniques. Um, and with most techniques, if you have the rod tip up high, it's gonna be with the fly closer to the surface. If you have the rod tip lower, closer to the water, uh, you're gonna have the fly riding a little deeper. And those are the main presentations that I use with Tenkata Fishing. And, you know, go ahead and give them a try. It's, um, I think the, you know, I, the only way to, to, to learn really these techniques is to go out fishing because then you, you need the currents to kind of see what the, currents are going to be doing to your fly to take it deep or in terms of the presentations themselves how do you make the fly pause in a spot or how do you make it pause and then drift into another spot all right um so let me know um what techniques you like to use what you've had success with check out our page for the podcast tenkatausa.com forward slash podcast uh, I'm going to post those two videos in there so you can see what I'm talking about. And if you like this episode, I'd love to ask you for a review in iTunes. Uh, most people, uh, we're learning through our uh, stats here that a lot of you are subscribing to our podcast via iTunes. And those reviews are invaluable. It tells me what I could be doing better. It tells people what to expect with the podcasts. Um, and it just allows to, you know, to tell allows you to tell the world what you think about uh, what we're doing here and your experiences with Tenkara. So subscribe in iTunes, leave us a review, and check out our page, tenkarausa.com forward slash podcast. And until next time on the Tenkara cast. I'd like to extend a special thank you to Nick Ogawa, also known as Takenobu. Check out his music at takenobumusic.com. We'll be posting links to any references we made in this podcast, such as Takenobu's music, on our website, www.tenkarausa.com forward slash podcast. And until next time on a Tenkara cast. <laughs>